Barry O'Brien from the Williamson Caribbean chapter. Welcome, Barry. Um, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm going to be approaching this, I've got obviously slides to begin with, but I'm going to be approaching this from, a, I suppose, a very commercial perspective, really, sort of giving explicit examples of businesses that I've run myself in the past that have leveraged from the data, really. Um, I suppose to do that, I'd better begin by introducing myself, but um, I am the founder and the managing director of an investment business which is based in the Caribbean. Um, I'm also actually the honorary consul from Jamaica, actually, and to Ireland as well. But to give some history, I suppose, to give these examples, um, sort of over, I spent most of the last 20 years abroad, I'm Irish, obviously, by my accent, and um, for the, the first 10 years, I spent most of the time in the UK, the USA, and Europe, and um, being part of the, the Irish diaspora, so first-hand experience on that. But since 2008, I've been primarily living in the Caribbean, um, most noticeably, actually, in Jamaica. And... Um, in my role actually in Jamaica, I ran quite a large telecoms company, a business called Digicel, which would be the largest telecommunications company in the Caribbean. To give you some size of scale, I suppose, it's a three billion sort of random business, which is, I suppose, by world standards, reasonably small, but a big business by Caribbean standards. <coughs> and um, I am going to give some explicit examples of how Digicel actually targeted diaspora, but when them. Um, so after into, I did that job for eight years, I was basically a CEO inside, I ran the sort of businesses in Jamaica, I ran most of the Eastern Caribbean businesses and Cayman and things, and um, in from sort of 2015 onwards, I remained with Digicel, but I changed roles in that. Digicel um, had gone to market, actually, it looked to IPO actually in New York, and um, it pulled the IPO, and one of the reasons was that um, we got feedback that we needed to diversify actually the base, our revenue base, so I was tasked actually with, with diversifying the actual business itself and um, so Digicel went into things like broadband TV which mobile telcos will do but we also went into financial services and um, I'm really going to talk about that aspect as well and the diaspora aspect of that. And more recently then when I left Digicel actually last year I found this investment business and um, we have been targeting the diaspora and I'm going to go into that as well. So going back to the start there, in um, 2008, joined Digicel, and um, if you look at Digicel in those particular days, especially markets such as Jamaica and Haiti, we were sort of touching 80% market share in sort of all those markets, and um, we were looking for how can we continue to keep growing the business, and um, so we looked at the Jamaican diaspora to begin with, and as, as some previous people, Tracy said earlier, there's two to three million of the Jamaicans living in the US, and we, we saw them as a, a market segment, I suppose, or a customer segment that we hadn't targeted yet at this particular stage. So, with sort of military precision, we decided we needed to identify and map the entire Jamaican diaspora actually in the Caribbean. And um, so, I think some previous speakers have spoken of methods that we did this. We started off social media to begin with, and um, your usual LinkedIn's and Facebooks. We've 7 million. We, when I say here, was we in my past, obviously. But um, we got a, a sort of a follower base of 7 million actually from Facebook, similar numbers in, in the likes of Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. We also then mapped every international call that came in, particularly from the U United States and both Haiti and Jamaica. So we mapped every call that was made and where that call was made from. So we could identify on the sending side or on the actual calling side where that person made the call from. So that gives us an idea. 
Then we did a number of sort of significant deals with large, I suppose what we would call electronic distributors in the US side. I think Pedro talked about the remittance businesses. So we literally went to all the big remittance companies and we said, lads, look, um, you've got all these electronics platforms that are particularly there for remittance. Can you tell us who's sending money from where? So we were able to map where the money was coming from, going to, in other words, we were able to say, from these districts in New York, Miami, wherever it happened to be, money was going into Jamaica or Haiti, wherever it happened to be going into. So that was another method that we actually did, and we put quite a number of people down on the ground. So we um, opened up offices in Miami and in New York, and um, actively put feet on the street when I call into every borough, identifying every single stop, every single community. There's an awful lot of advertising marketing to these communities. And the actual premise of this, just to tell you how simple this was, the premise was that we wanted the diaspora, the Caribbean diaspora, particularly in Jamaica and Haiti, to buy mobile credit for people who lived in the Caribbean. This is basically a form of remittance, so we wanted people to top up people's phones as a form of remittance. So from 2008, when the business didn't really exist, to 2013, the business went from zero to 150 million turnover, with 90% of that coming from the US. This was really an active target in the diaspora as a key demographic. We also proved that an awful match behind this and um, I suppose analysis on this, and we were able to prove, more or less categorically actually, that all the revenue coming from the US in particular was all incremental, and it was all going straight to the actual bottom line here. Little enough cost actually, except the commission that we needed to pay to the electronic distribution chains in the US and things. There was also some UK and Canadian stuff here as well, especially in Jamaica actually. We've quite a large um, Jamaican population in the UK actually as well. So that was one example, I suppose, of a business developing a 150 million US business just targeting the diaspora as a customer base. Then 2015, I mentioned um, that my role there at that stage was to diversify the actual group business. And um, so we looked at you know what could a telco do to diversify its business, and again looking at the diaspora markets, we went into financial services. One of the key things we identified was, well, going back to the remittance, there was 10 billion basically coming into Jamaica, Haiti, and El Salvador directly for Anna in remittance. Largely cash, actually, a lot of it. And we wanted to, I suppose, get involved in that business. We wanted to compete with the likes of the Western Unions and the money grants, and we wanted to do it cheaper, obviously, that our customers um, you know, would actually move over to us. Um, we also wanted to bank you under bank. I think that's an issue here when you look at sort of Haiti and Jamaica. The majority of people are, are unbanked in reality, and it's a black economy, and you know, the majority of both economies are still black cash economy. We wanted to do that. And we also wanted to target the actual entire payment sector. This was, you know, we, we had developed 150 million US business on just people popping up people's phones that came from mobile credit. And we said to ourselves, if we could get people as a form of remittance to pay things like electricity bills, pay school fees, pay grocery fees, how much bigger could that business be than just actually popping up people's phones? So we actively went out and we bought a number of businesses. We bought a few remittance businesses, we bought a few KYC businesses. And we developed, I suppose, initially what we, did, what we did was we looked globally, we looked at the entire African markets, the Far Eastern markets, on how the remittance was working. And we also looked at mobile wallets, which was obviously the obvious thing for a, for, a, for a mobile company to do. And we created a mobile wallet solution that was basically just a reloadable credit card linked to a mobile application. 
So rather than somebody having it, just to give you a scenario here, I mean, typically with admittance from the US into the Caribbean, somebody will walk into a shop that's a Western Union shop and they'll pay money over the counter and money will arrive on the other side. But we looked at that about Alexa, people were losing between sort of 11 and 14 percent of the money was disappearing. And um, so we said if we did a, a credit card model, which this was, um, these are reloadable credit cards now, so the word credit is actually a no meaner really there in that there is no credit. These are card, debit cards for all intents and purposes. But from the US side, you can just walk into a CVS store or 7-Eleven, pick one of these off the table, put money on it, download your mobile application, and a person on the other side and send money, basically, the mobile application on the receiving side, which is basically just a reflection of the same of another credit card on the other side. This is a deal zone with actually MasterCard at the time, and we were talking about sort of less than half of 1% was really the interconnect fee that MasterCard were charging to send the money across on their money rails. So we implemented this, we, we did a deal with an acquiring bank over, the, over in the US side, we did deals with um, banks on the Caribbean side, so that people all of a sudden could send credit or send remittance and also like people from one side to the other. And um, on the payment side of things, we bought one of the largest payment companies actually in the Caribbean, which was a, a company called Paymaster. And then um, they already have all the APIs and things like the electricity companies, the water companies, into the, into the educational companies. And so we, we were, what we were trying to do here was we were trying to get a slice basically of that 10 billion of remittance. We were trying to bank the other bank because the very nice thing about this was from a Caribbean perspective, when we did our analysis on it, and also one of the reasons why people were underbanked or unbanked was the KYC stuff. In other words, they could not get actually a credit card. They could not get a bank account. A lot of them had no fixed abode, no addresses, didn't have the employment letters. But the very nice thing with these reloadable credit cards was that the KYC or the requirements to actually get one of them was an awful lot less because there's no credit on it. This is a card that you've got a load onto it. We persuaded people like the Jamaican government to start paying things like social welfare and pension directly onto these cards. And now remittance was coming out to the cards. And the reason why this was so good for people on the receiving end, to begin with, it was an awful lot cheaper actually for the people actually sending the receiving. But it was also an awful lot more convenient as well. So previously, people on the receiving side would have to go to a Western Union, their money grant shop, with their two forms of ID to collect their cash. Now it would be on a credit card that they could use on any point of sales terminals, or they could go to an ATM and see withdrawals. Curiously enough, the actual withdrawal fee from the issuing bank on the receiving side was zero. So you could withdraw at zero cost, far more convenient, and that was basically the model behind it. Another business that's actually grown quite large, if you look at the Haiti model, there's a million and a half customers now using that in a business called Mind Cash. And the Jamaican side actually, curious enough, hasn't, it's just getting going now, got bogged down in an awful lot of regulatory issues. But that's besides the point. It's up and running now, and the, the actual business is called Digital Money. And the third and last point, I suppose, is my more recent business, which, um, as I said, I left Digital last year and found this investment business. Um, with its Caribbean capital. And um, we, we, like most businesses, wanted to target the diaspora as a key demographic for investing actually in us. And um, so one of the things we actually created was a, quite some significant actually green energy bonds, and um, just closing one actually next week. And um, we wanted to target that diaspora. With the diaspora, I, in my knowledge of that diaspora, speaking to an awful lot of them, an awful lot of them had this affinity with their home countries. But very few of them actually have come across, I suppose, investable structures that they feel comfortable with. And <coughs> all things being equal, they will invest 
in their home country. But they won't invest unless they get the security, I think somebody mentioned security. And there's also the currency risk as well as the, it's a big problem for most investors. So what we did actually was, we went to some of the multilateral agencies, and rather than actually looking for support from the multilateral agencies, we looked for partial guarantees from them. Whereas we said, we are the, or we've managed to get a large, a large sort of corporate in the Caribbean region to guarantee our stuff, guarantee our bonds. But that's no good to the international investors. They don't really care about Caribbean countries as such. But we got one of the multilateral agencies actually to guarantee it. And we're talking for not too expensive actually to guarantee because it was already guaranteed by a large corporate. So now all of a sudden you've got AAA rated bonds basically that the actual diaspora, particularly in the US as well, can actually invest into. And when we launched the actual last bond we launched, we were all subscribed within a week actually, mainly from the diaspora as well. The diaspora looking for things actually to invest in, in the Caribbean regions. Having to have the right structures, having to have the right fund managers, having to have the right registrars and trustees all in place, it's really just identifying what the problems are that they need and actually solving the problems. On the FX side as well, by the way, we just actually quoted everything in US dollars, so it became a US dollar fund, which augmented the, the, the currency issues because the markets, like, particularly Haiti, actually, you, you've got fairly significant currency fluctuations that can actually. Um, I suppose puts investors off. Um, and that was really, I mean, there are sort of like three sort of, I suppose, examples of businesses that I've either run or been actively involved. Curious enough, I would have found it the Digital Financial Services one, the, the last business, was an investment business, and you know, the, the latest thing we're doing actually is one of these SME funds. And I think, you know, this is, this fund is going to be quite a large fund, actually. This is the fund, small to medium sized companies across the Caribbean, and um, we're very much modeling this actually in an active model. There's a company called Brofin, which is on Mauritius, which is active in 11 different African countries, that actually has raised a bit over 500 million US today for SMEs. And it's a commercial fund, which is the whole thing. I mean, this is a venture capitalist slash private equity type company that's turning back 5, 6% extra returns to its investors. And its model is literally. It goes in, it gets to understand small and medium companies it's about to invest in, it matches the cash flows of these businesses with the investment, with the difference to your, your average sort of venture capitalist type company, in that it's also got what is the social impact of investing in this company, employment being a key thing. So it's really taking that, what we're trying to do is taking that growth in model, which has very successfully worked in the African markets, and transposing it actually to the Caribbean markets. But it's a great example, I suppose, of a funding method that has attracted a lot of investment from Europe and the States that actually works, actually. And again, you know, investors will invest if they're going to get returns. They won't invest if they think this is a philanthropic type of investment that, you know, the, the actual managers of the fund aren't in it to make money. But they're obviously in it to make money, but they're also in it to make, have a social impact as well, both simultaneously, while offering something different to the commercial banks, which is trying to understand the businesses and matching the actual cash flows of these businesses with the actual need to actually fund the businesses. So, I mean, that, that was really, I mean, I, I could go on and on here about other ways that we've leveraged from the diaspora over the years, but it was really, I was really coming at this from just sort of some absolute examples of how valuable diaspora can be to actually corporates. And that's really all I wanted to say. Thank you.